it's going to be an expensive cost to do a complex piece part on one piece, all that setup time. You know, I often tell my customers, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you what the cost of a one piece price is because it's going to take 10 hours to set up the job and 30 minutes to actually machine the part. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metalworking Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hello, Metalworking Nation. My name's Jason Zenger, and this is Making Chips, and I'm in the studio here with my good friend, Jim Carr. How you doing, Jim? Good. I, you said 28, and I'm like, man, 28. I can't believe it. I know. It's crazy. That's like, um, that's close to, it's over half a year, isn't it? I know. I Congratulations. How many weeks is it? 52 weeks in a year. So 20. yeah, that's over. Yeah. Yeah. We, we hit the mark. Awesome. Fist bump. Yep. Boom. Boom. Bam. That's at the end. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. So anyway, yeah. So speaking of that, I actually, I was reviewing the numbers and really, truly like this thing has gone beyond our expectations. I mean, we've been asked to do these sponsorships that, you know, I never really thought that w- would happen. So we've been asked to go to San Diego, which, you know, is amazing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, the numbers, you know, I the really... The numbers don't lie. The numbers don't lie. And I truly am, you know, like so honored for the people that that listen to the podcast. I mean, it, it's such a blessing that everybody has really embraced making chips and they and they really enjoy the podcast. I mean, we're approaching 13000 downloads awesome. in a matter of six months. I mean, you know, that that's definitely, I mean, when, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Congratulations to you too. I mean, when, when we set out to do this, we said to ourselves, you know, if we get 50 people to listen to an episode, I mean, you know, that's great. You know, we wanted to continue doing it, but you know, 13,000, I mean, that's, that, that's pretty awesome. It's it really is. My expectations yeah. Too. And, and I really truly feel that we keep using this term that we're just scratching the surface because, you know, I feel like there's just a huge number of manufacturing. I mean, <laughs> to be quite honest with you, all of my good friends in the manufacturing industry don't listen to my podcast. <laughs> well, we got to change that. Buddy. I know. It's crazy. Like, I, know. I mean, my, every- now my friends do. I don't know how m- they don't tell me that, that they're listening to them all the time, but I know they've listened to at least one or three or five. Yeah. So Jim and I actually have a um, have a peer group that we get together with on a, on a monthly basis. There's like eight of us guys that are in the manufacturing industry, and we have a name for ourselves. It kind of goes back to, I don't know if, if there's any C.S. Lewis fans out there, but the, he used to have a group with J.R.R. Tolkien called the Inklings. They were because uh, had something to do with ink, and they were writers. So Jim and I have a group of about eight guys that we get together on a monthly basis to just spend time together and to talk about business and to talk about manufacturing and, and we, anything else that we want to talk about. And anything else that we want to talk there's, about. And we're there's, just, no, we're, there's no structured right, agenda. Right. We're first and foremost friends and we call ourselves the deuces. Um, it's kind of a long story for yeah. that. But anyway, none of those guys, none of the deuces listen to the podcast. So that's Oh no! One, I think one guy does. So that's a little does. embarrassing. I think yeah. Does, yeah. yeah, I think he does. So, but anyway, so despite that, none of our friends listen to the podcast. We've got thirteen thousand people that 
apparently enjoy listening to making chips. Yeah, and we constantly hear feedback all the time on our website, on our phone, which is going to bring us into what we're going to talk about today for the body of this podcast. But yeah, we do want you to know that we appreciate your listenership, that uh, it's not uh, without thanks and appreciation. Yeah, we're honored. We are. And because, you know, we're having fun. The yes. bottom line is we're having fun and hopefully we can uh, help you out and, and, and equip you in the future when you're in a particular situation that you don't know what to do. And hopefully you'd, you've heard the answer already on making chips and you're better equipped to make that decision. Yeah, we want to equip you. We want to inspire you. And, and we want to make the U.S. manufacturing industry better. And we do have some, you know, global listeners out there as well. But, um, you know, we really, Jim and I know the U.S. manufacturing industry. So that's who we want to speak to. Absolutely. So Jim, I called you on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I was expecting that you were just going to be, you know, chilling out and having dinner, but you were... Drinking quoting, some wine. And yeah, but you were quoting job. I was. And I was a little... Sorry for you. Well, you but, know, no, but, but you it actually what? ended up okay, didn't as, it? As a business owner, that's it, what happens. Yeah, you got to do it. I got to tell you. So my ThyssenKrupp outside salesman told me about their partner metals company called OnlineMetals.com. What's great about it is it's always open. There's no minimums. At 10:30 p.m. at night, I go on. To, I log onto their site. I can get all my material quotes on off non-business hours. So you can it's, quote your job. It's brilliant. So I did that, and I got it all done. That's great. Yep. And ThyssenKrupp actually gave us a promo code for our audience. Yeah, they know we were going to be talking about them, and they said to our listeners, check out makingchips.com, the ThyssenKrupp partner, enter in promo code CHIPS, that's capital C-H-I-P-S, and get a 15% discount. Yeah, so Just- go to onlinemetals.com and place your order, and then enter the promo code C-H-I-P-S in all capital letters for 15% off. So let's get started. I will tell the listeners uh, what we're going to talk about today. We had a call-in. Why don't we play that call-in? Hi, this is David Carbon of uh, Lexco Cable. And I have a couple questions that could be addressed on the show. Uh, one question is about costing and what are some recommended uh, ways to cost out a job? For example, if a machine is not going to have a dedicated operator because he can bounce around to other jobs too, how do I uh, relate that into my cost in terms of machine time, operator time, etc.? cetera? Um, another topic in question uh that I uh, was wondering is if you could, if you guys could address lights out running sometimes, uh, perhaps some uh, best practices, some hints, some uh, pitfalls, things to look out for, any advice regarding that. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Well, there you go. There you have it. David, thank you for calling in. And, you know, we, we tell people that we're taking calls and we, we want to get feedback. And this is a prime example of what it is. As you just heard, David Carbon from Lexco Cable in Harwood Heights, Illinois, called in. And he wants to know about what our thoughts are on costing a job. Yeah. So I think you can break down his call into three yes. main questions. So yes. the first one is just a basic, how do you cost a job? Second okay. question is, 
what do you do when you have one operator running multiple machines, say two to three machines? And then the last one is, how do you cost a job for a lights out operation? Right. We might as well just talk about that one right away. I know nothing about lights out operations. Sorry, David. Sorry, listeners. But I, I you can't, can't know everything, I Jim. cannot elaborate on that. But what I would recommend in is, is if somebody is listening that has information on lights out operations and how to cost it, please contact us. We will communicate that to David and or our, our listenership so everyone else is educated on what to do. You know what, Jim? I actually, I'm going to kind of interject something else in, into the um, podcast right now. Go. We didn't mention that we're going to be at the hardware store on July 21st. How could we forget? Uh, how could we forget that? that? So, like, related to the lights out operations, since this is not Jim's expertise, it's not my expertise. If there's somebody that's actually a manufacturing company in the San Diego area that does do lights out machining, please contact us. Call 312 725 0245. We would love to talk to you when we are in San Diego and we'll do a special podcast specifically on lights out operations and job costing associated with that. that. Yeah. But just in general, if we do have other listeners that are in the San Diego area or can travel to the San Diego area and are thinking to themselves, I should be on making chips. I should be interviewed. I've got some content that I want to tell the industry about. Please contact us and, and we would love to connect with you while we are there. Yeah, any unique product or process that you think needs to be highlighted or you want to explode on it or, you know, have a little bit of PR around it, around it, just let us know. We'll vet you out and uh, we'll be there in Southern California. And we're going to be there specifically for the grand opening of the hardware store. Remember Ray Zaganto? I don't remember what podcast. Episode 18. So if you go to makingchips.com slash 18. You will hear that episode. Uh, Ray and his team at Bylink had this brainstorm. An idea. Session, yeah. An idea, you know, to open up these third places for engineers. Right. They're, so your first place is your home, your second place is your work, and your third place is just this other place that you go. I like order. to call it a Starbucks for engineers. Well, for yeah, it, it could be. I mean, in I'm not. A, terms. I'm not a Starbucks fan, so if that's your cup of coffee, that's fine. But um, you can yeah. get tea there too. Oh, you can. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's fun. It's it's yeah. a good place. I get yeah. I get the culture of Starbucks. But anyway, the the objective to this is bring in these engineers. They're going to sit around, collaborate, solve problems. They're well equipped. They have three D printers. They have tabletop CNCs. Broadband, of course, and the, they have the resources of a Bilink engineer to kind of hold your hand through your whole concept idea. Other engineers, yeah, Other engineers like speak, to speak the engineering with. language. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, brilliant, innovative, collaborative thought. I really feel positive about it. Ray, when we were interviewing and we were doing the podcast, he thought it would be great for making chips for Jason and I to be there personally on site, meet with his people. Yeah, and we're going to do a live podcast. Cross, collaborate. We'll do a, some live recordings there. I think it's going to be a brilliant collaboration. I think that uh, this is so innovative. I think he's going to get a lot of speed from it. Yeah, and, and we're going to get to visit San Diego, which is also fun. I can do that. My wife and I are going. Yeah, my wife and I are going too, and we're looking forward to it. But it, it is on Tuesday, July 21st from 4 to 6 p.m. 
uh, let me give you the address. It's 10211 Pacific Mesa Boulevard in San Diego, California. That is in North San Diego County. They'll be serving, from what I understand, fish tacos and local brews. So I'm always up for a fish taco. I like fish tacos. I like local brews. So uh, I can do that. So it's going to be fun. And remember, you listeners out there, if you come into the hardware store and see us during that grand opening, please come up to us and tell us. If you say, if you're not making chips, you're not making money, we've got a T-shirt for you. We've only got 30, so um, I don't know if we can give any rain checks that day. But uh, the first 30 people to come in and say that particular tagline, you all know the tagline that I grew up with in my company from what my dad said. You got a free T-shirt. Yeah, we'll do rain checks. We'll figure it out. I can. Yeah, I'll give you my word. Any anybody that says it, anybody. We can. No, it it doesn't matter the number. Cool. So why don't we get into it? Kind of took a um, diversion to another direction here, but let's go back and and we'll reiterate the question. So we want to talk about in general terms costing of a job, and then we want to talk about if you have one operator running multiple machines, let's say two to three machines, how does that change the costing of a job? And then lastly, how does a lights-out operation change the costing of a job, which we already mentioned that we're, we're not going to answer that question, but we are going to reserve that question for a future podcast. You bet. Sounds great. So, oh, wh- Jim, why don't, why don't you just get started on... Um, the main factors that go into costing the job. So David, uh, t- to answer your specific question, you, I know you don't know Car Machine and Tool that well, but you know we're a, a low volume precision machine shop. We're, we're not super big. We don't do a lot of uh, molt. We don't do a lot of cell productivity, but occasionally we do. The only thing that I can tell you on based on what I've learned from my peers is if you have one operator running, let's just say two machines and your normal uh, rate per hour is X. Let's say a hundred dollars just to make things easy. A hundred bucks an hour. I don't even know if that's, Uh, it's probably a little high, but okay. So yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I'm just Uh, making that number up because it's easy. Yeah. No, I think, and based on what my peers tell me that you should get at least 50% more of that hourly rate on that second machine. So $150 an hour. $150 an hour. And then you can divide by two, so that's 75 as opposed to 100 Right. And the thing when you go is, to cost it out. There's a lot of unrealized costs that you're not thinking about, like overhead, you know, like the electricity, the heating and air conditioning, you know, the insurance, all those overhead, all those fixed costs. Yeah, employee costs are one factor, one but factor. they're not the only factor. They're not the only factor. But what I always think of is the wear and tear on that machine tool. So you're running that spindle, man. You know, you got an aluminum job in there. You're running 12. You're maxing out that spindle, and it's running for hours and hours and hours. I got to tell you, that spindle's deteriorating. That spindle, there's, there's significant wear on that spindle. And there's also significant wear on the motors, the AC or the DC motors on, that are controlling the axes. There's also wear on your tools. There's wear on the tool holders. I mean, it's not quite as, as much, but it, it's still there's a cost associated with that. So you certainly can't just charge $1 for, per hour and expect to get that. You need to get a little bit more. And I think in this case, based on what my peers tell me, that rate is about 50%. Another thing, too, to keep into consideration is not only the wear and tear on the machine, the spindles, the motors, but you got to clean that machine. You know, if you have an auging system on it or a chip conveyor, 
that's fine too, but you know, eventually you're going to have to remove the chips. You're going to have to clean the machine. You're going to have to clean the ways. And the only way that I think you can improve on that process to get down the time is like to add a pallet changer or a fourth axis index or use secondary operations. So does that answer your question, Jason? Does that answer your question, David? Yeah, I'm not David, but yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that definitely answers the question about when you have operators running multiple machines. Yeah. Now I can elaborate on, you know, how I quote a low volume production job the the key characteristics that I look for yeah you want to you want to state that this is how you car machine and tool evaluate a job but it's not necessarily how you know there's so many different types of manufacturing companies right everyone's got a specific niche a model their business model what they do what they do well and what we do well at car machine and tool is we do well at low volume close tolerance multi axis machining complex parts that have multiple setups, highly precision, and low quantities. One to 1,000 is, is what we do. Uh, our sweet spot is anything but between six to 60 pieces. Right. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, there's two other manufacturers that I talked to today. One does only does jobs where he needs a forklift to, to move the, the material. Wow. Right. And then the other one only does jobs where, you know, the piece can fit in one hand and he's doing, you know, 10,000 of them. That's right. like his minimum. So everybody is, it's so variable. It's yeah. So variable. And you're like right in the middle of all that. Well, this is what we do well. Yeah. This is what we do well. But how I approach a job. So I, you know, I'm at my desk. I get that uh, email in. There's some PDFs attached. You know, I start looking at them. The first thing that I do, these are the five bullets that really articulate the cost of a job. Number one is quantity, of course, because it's setup time. Setup time. If you have one piece, it's going to be an expensive cost to do a complex piece part on one piece, all that setup time. You know, I often tell my customers, you know, I'm embarrassed to tell you what the cost of a one piece price is because it's going to take 10 hours to set up the job and 30 minutes to actually machine the part. There's not quite that much disparity. Again, it's all subjected to the complexity of the part, but it's still big, no matter what. So quantity. If it's one, if it's two, if it's three. You shouldn't be embarrassed. I mean, if he needs one, he needs one, needs and, one. and, and I mean, he's going to have to pay, pay for it. They can almost get two for the same price. Almost. True. Depending on Depending on what it is. And, and I'm sure you communicate that. I try to. I try to. Second, material. Is it aluminum or is it Inconel? There's a lot of different stuff in between that. Of course, aluminum is going to be very easy to machine. High speed, high uh, surface speed per minute, high feed rate, high stock removal. So we're going to get the material off quick. If it's 300 series stainless steel, if it's 4140 pre-hard, all those, oh, if it's a tool steel, if it's a tough to machine metal, it's going to take significantly longer to get that stock removal off, off. So that's going to elevate the cost immediately. The third thing, tolerances. Are we looking at plus or minus 15 thousands? Are we looking at plus or minus a half a thousand? Significantly different costing there. If you can just throw it in a vice, lock it down, pick it up, program the part, and just run the end mill without checking the part because the tolerances are so liberal... It's, it's not going to take any time, but if you have a plus or minus a half a thousand tolerance all over the place on that machine part, it's going to take you significantly longer to achieve those tolerances. Yeah, it goes back to setup costs, right? 
goes up to setup costs. Well, the thing is, Jason, you're going to have to cut it multiple times and measure it. You know, if you're doing if you're doing a bore that's plus nothing minus a half a thousand, you're going to have to rough it, measure it, semi finish it, measure it, semi semi finish it, measure it. For the most part, again, it's all subjective to what kind of material you're cutting, how confident you are in your machine tool that it can cut that tolerance from the get go. But at the end of the day, the higher the tolerance, the more the cost. Fourth, size of the part, huge thing. So here's what I do. When I print a print and I look at it, I say, is it more relevant to have this printed on an 8.5 by 11 or an 11.17 print? Is it going to be more to the size of each of those respective 8.5, 11 or 11.17? Because what happens is a lot of people look at a part on a print, they think it's only the size of your hand, and then when you look at it harder, it's like, 300 pounds. You need a freaking lift truck to put it in the machine. Yeah, that sounds like a rookie mistake. Well, You think it happens more often than you realize? I I certainly do. I know. I'm definitely one that's been taking the bait on that before. So what do you do in order to make sure that doesn't happen? So what I do is I I print the print more based on the size of the part. I always look at the weight of the part. I always calculate the weight and I write it on the print. Lastly, if it's if it's really if it's easy to do, I go out into the shop, I find a piece, anything, a raw piece of material in the shop that is about the size of that part. And I actually, Jason, I take it and, and I you put, put it back on your desk? I put it right on my desk, hmm. right next to the print. You know why? Because I can look at it, I can touch it, I can feel it, and I can say, here's this part, it's this size, it weighs 300 pounds. Let me tell you, the extra cost associated with a big, heavy part is more than double of what it is if you can hold it in your hand. So you, you put the part on your desk. And then you, I start... You put your hands on it. I put my hands on it. Do I, you close your eyes? I don't close my okay, eyes. Okay, I'm just trying to make sure I get the right steps. Yeah, no. I okay, so not, you keep your eyes open. I do. Okay. I, it's, it's a lot of hands-on. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, I, by the way. <laughs> and that's okay. We're having fun, right? But no, I, so size of the part is huge. I want our listeners to to really think about that when they're quoting the next job. And then lastly, of course, is complexity of the parts. Is it one setup or is it 10 setups? If you can minimize those setups, you're way ahead of your uh, competition. If you can put it in a fourth axis, a five axis, put it in, indicate it once, program it, get it out. So Let's say those 10 setups just turned into four and one. So you've only got maybe one more setup and you're done with the job. So I know everybody doesn't have a four or five axis machine, but think about combining your setups to be a little bit more efficient. And if it is multiple setups, you really need to think about all that setup time that's associated with those additional setups. Remember, you have to set up tools, you have to set up different vices, you have to set up different clamping scenarios. Do you have the clamps? There's a lot of uh, different subjective things that are involved in, in, in the setups. So complexity of the part is the last one. Great. So just to go back and reiterate those points. So number one was quantity. Number two was material. Number three was tolerance. Number four was size of the part, and number five is complexity of the part. Yep. I mean, there's other things. There's too. other factors, too. There yeah, is. But those like, are the main five. 
for me. For you. For me. For you. For your for, for the production that you do. For my business model at Carmen. For your School. business model. Yeah. And we would love to actually, you know what? Yeah, that's great. We would love to hear from our listeners if you have, you know, a sixth, seventh, eighth major factor when it comes to job costing, post something on our on our website um, for this episode. And we would love to hear what that is. Because as Jim was saying, this is for his business model. So his business model is not the same as every manufacturing company out there. I mean, he is a particular niche. Right. So Jim, I actually have a couple questions that I wrote down as you were talking that sure. I, would, I would love Go to right ask ahead. you. So my first question is, how often do you evaluate your shop rate? So do you every year look at your, you know, your financial statements or, or whatever else and say, these are the costs, whether they're, you know, fixed costs or variable costs that are involved in your business and then reevaluate, you know, like I need to bump up my shop rate by $2 or, or, lower. I, or I can reduce my shop yeah. rate by $5 yeah. because I put this type of automation or I reduce my costs in this manner. Do you evaluate that on, on, I, a, on a regular basis? I really do. I, I, it's not structured, if you can believe that I don't have any structure to that, you know, because I'm a very structured person. Right. But I don't. But I would say that I do evaluate that at least every quarter. Every quarter? Every okay. Quarter. All right. I was thinking every year, but that's well, okay. No, every quarter you, is great. You got to think about it. You, you got to think about, because everything change is changing so fast, Jason. The technology that we, we have available to us, you know, if there's a new- Oh, cutting, yeah, absolutely. If there's a new cutting tool- yeah. Out there, that's gonna is gonna save me a couple operations. I have to reevaluate the way that I'm quoting the jobs. Absolutely. And I go out into the into the shop sometimes and talk to the guys that are on the machines, and I, I say, you know, tell me specifically about that setup. Where did you have problems with that? Because you know what, if they can convey those issues that they had in the machining process to me after the job's gone. I'm only going to be able to quote better because they've conveyed to me some roadblocks they hit along the way. And that communication only makes me better. Okay, so so it comes down to discussions with your employees. Yes. Do you look at your financial statement in order to understand your job costing better? I look at the financials every month. Okay, okay. So those two are very important. What what else would you look at? Or is that is that pretty much it to to reevaluate your job costing? Technology. Technology okay. is another thing. It's it's a huge thing. And it doesn't have to be buying a new machine tool. You know, it doesn't mean you have to spend two hundred thousand dollars on a new machine tool to have the latest and greatest technology. It could be as simple as buying a new high efficiency, high performance tool from Zanger's Industrial. It can significantly change the output of your part. Sure. So, like, if you all of a sudden start using a new aluminum cutter that increases your productivity significantly, that's going to reduce the cost when you quote out aluminum jobs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So my next question, actually, this is kind of going to be a, a two-part question, but let me ask the first one first. So how are you passing along this knowledge of job costing? Because my assumption is that you're doing the majority of the job costing. I am. Um, so how how do you pass this job costing knowledge on? Well, it's not easy. I'm going to... I imagine it's not. I mean, it's, it's taking you a lot of years to... Decades. To, yeah, decades to, and I, I think to do that, this well. I think that my experience being on the shop floor and running the machines and the knowledge of my GD&T knowledge and, and my setup knowledge and programming knowledge, my head works in real time when I'm quoting a job. So it's not too obtuse. It's it's pretty close. You know, I sometimes say it's all a good guess. Okay, well, let, okay, look, here's a scenario. Okay. Fast forward 10 years, ten, and okay. you're ready to retire. I'm be 39. 
Okay, you're gonna be 39 okay. in, in 10 years. Okay. okay, yeah. If the audience really believes that. Um, <laughs> so fast forward 10 years, and you're like, oh, I'm still quoting all the jobs, and I forgot to train somebody how to do this. So now you are where you are now. Where do you begin? Let's just say you're going to train your son to do the quoting. Well, I do. Okay. So my plant manager and I do get together typically on most quotes. Okay. Because I think that anytime you can can have a collaborative meeting within your business, I think it's going to be a win-win. There's going to be something that you're going to be able to extract from that conversation. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I sit with my plant manager often and we discuss, you know, what is it going to take? I mean- is it going to take two hours? Is it going to take 200 hours? Typically, we're pretty close. But again, it all goes back to that shop floor experience and real-time knowledge of what it actually takes to get done. So if you were away from the business for a month, you're fairly confident that your your shop manager, could, your plant manager I could am. come within you know, a, a reasonable percentage of 20%, where you... Okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I, I well, 20% know. is still pretty big. It is. But yeah. you know, I, again... Uh, we have a pretty narrow business model, our, our niche business. We are really good at what we do, and we typically can ballpark it pretty good. Okay. So okay. you're right, though. So, so you, in you're... 10 years, hopefully my son Ryan will have that shop floor experience. He will have that machining knowledge. He'll have a little bit better business acumen. He'll be close to where I am right now with regards to what does it really take? Now, keep in mind, technology is moving forward. Can you imagine the technology we're going to have in 10 years? Oh, absolutely. Can you imagine what that shop Well, you're probably going to need him because you're not going to be able to keep up with how to job costs using the new technology. Hell no. no. I can't even keep up with my smartphone. You know, (laughs) no, I'm I'm pretty good at that, but That's because you have an Android. Oh, here and we go. You don't have an oh, iPhone. Th- that's a podcast discussion. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a podcast discussion. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, listeners, Jason's got an Apple and I've got a Droid and uh, we're, we're always giving each other stuff. Yeah, so so your recommend your recommendation for the listeners would be to make the job costing process a collaborative. Yeah, anytime um, you can. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's best to get that guy, that operator, even the operator off the shop floor, bring him into your meeting with you and let him uh, elaborate a little bit on what the issues he's having. Because again, anytime you can um, make it a collaborative event, it's going to be a win-win. Okay. So my next question is, do you think that you could take the process that you go through, so the questions that you ask yourself in your head, the questions that you bounce around between yourself and your and your plant manager and your son and say, here's the 100 questions, and I'm just making up a number of 100 again, sure. that we need to answer in order to cost out this job, plug it into some kind of computerized algorithm, and have it pop out a job cost that is pretty close to what you would do without that, you know, computerized algorithm. You know, it would it would ask you what's the material, what's the size, you know, what's the intricacy on a on a scale of it's one to ten. It's not that sophisticated by me. What's that? It's not that sophisticated. What what do you mean it's not that sophisticated? I don't have an algorithm. No, no, I know you don't have it. I'm just okay. saying, do you think that it could be created? That's a good question. And I know there's people out there that are using that. However, I think everything is very subjective. Well, it, it if is. You subject- don't have the real world knowledge, at least in my business model. If you don't have the real world knowledge of actually what it's going to take to get it done, I don't know. I don't know. I think having that that knowledge is very impactful. 
Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, the the chess game where the the man plays the computer and, you know, do you think that, you know, you could figure out enough questions for the computer to ask in order to spit out a job cost that's that's pretty accurate, you know? And and maybe there is that technology out there available. It's just it's not available to me right now. Okay. I I, I just or could you use, or, or could I you, use a, oh, an uh, an Excel. Right. I mean, so how many how many questions do you have in that Excel spreadsheet right now? You got to have. I mean, if you use the spreadsheet, well, you have, have something. Material, outside services. Right. How much I'm going to mark it up? Labor costs, discounts, quantity discounts. Again, we talked about quantity. Mm-hmm. So there's always a discount structure in place for labor because. Remember, my dad always used to say material is immaterial in our business because in our business model, what our business model says is we're low volume. So the material is going to be immaterial in regards to the labor costs. The labor costs are going to be the big glaring costs. Mm -hmm. The material is not going to be that big of a, a service. Okay. Any outside services like special coatings, plating, heat treating anodizing, all of that. So you've got the starts of, of, of what I'm referring to. I have a template that I use that is structured, but it's very subjective. Okay. And I have to look at every scenario independently. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'd love to hear f- from some listeners if they have some feedback on that particular question, if they have a, a more automated way or like a, like we said, a, a way where you could just kind of plug, plug the numbers in and, and get some kind of output. Now, granted, we, we've said this several times during this episode, Jim's model is different from you know, just about every other model out there and everybody, everybody is unique. And so, you know, you have to take that into consideration, but I'd love to hear if somebody has that type of methodology for going about costing jobs. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I'd love to know too. I have no more questions. Well, that's good. That means we're probably wrapping up. Yes. Yes. But once again, David, Thank you for the question. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, that's awesome. awesome. That's we'd love to hear more questions. Yeah, you know, yeah. we do listen. We try to pick the ones that are relevant to what we think our listeners want to hear. We hope that this episode has provided some value to all you listening in today. Anything else you want to talk about? How about how do our listeners talk to us? How do they communicate with us? To ask us a question, call 312-725-0245 and leave a message. That's it. Or else go to make yeah, we love your questions. Contact. Yeah, slash contact. Yeah, and they can leave us uh, a message. Like, ask us anything. And you know what? We, we haven't said this lately. Go to our Facebook page and like us. Yeah. Look us up on LinkedIn. We'll be happy to connect with you. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a couple LinkedIn requests every day. How about you? Same. Yeah, that's good. So we, we love to hear from you. We love the feedback. And I think that's all I got to say. We're going to leave it with, uh, what does my dad always say? If you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Love it. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. Yes, yes, Carrie Underwood. I mean, she's got the mic right at her mouth. Yeah, and crazy. so does Miranda Lambert. I mean, yeah. they're you're, they're like almost making out with it. Right. So yeah.
Go ahead. Make out with your mic, Jim. Make out with your mic. Let's do it. Uh.